Pastor Ed Taylor on how we should view the Christian church down the street that does things a little bit different than we do. If somebody's, if God is blessing another church, even if it's across the street, around the corner, yes, I'm happy. Man, if God is just exploding, that church is growing 10 million times faster than any other church. They're on the cover of all the magazines and they're preaching the one true gospel. They get my prayer, my support, and I say, go for it, man. Go for it. Reach my city. That's my neighbor that goes to your church. That's my friend. That's my boss. My boss really needs to go to your church. So I'm glad. Yes, I'm happy. I'm not in competition for them. I don't go into my office and go, oh, Lord, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. You're using other churches. I don't do that. I say, God bless them. This is amazing grace. This is With that familiar theme song, allow me to welcome each of you now to Abounding Grace. We're in the process of tracing the steps of Christ on his road to the cross, as described for us in the Gospel of John. Chapter 17 records a touching and powerful prayer from Christ just prior to his crucifixion. We'll look today at his prayer for his future disciples, which would certainly apply to us today. And it's interesting to note that he was praying for unity. Here's our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor. To the degree that the Bible is in you and in your mind, transforming your mind, washing your mind with the water of the word, will be to the degree that you're set apart in a world that's hostile to the things of God. More Bible, more setting apart. And the more you're set apart, you have to remember, the more you need to integrate with this world and talk to them and minister to them and love them in Jesus' name. There's a balance. Verse 20, John 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's a really cool verse. He's praying for us. 2,000 years ago, he's praying for us. He knew, looking down the annals of time as God in human flesh, that you and I would believe. It's so awesome. And here's his prayer, verse 21. That they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And, verse 22, the glory which you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. What does Jesus pray for 2,000 years ago for us? Unity. Unity, notice, in him. Unity in him. He prays for unity. He prays the concern right before the cross. Right before Jesus is is beaten mercilessly and hung on a Roman torture cross. What's on his mind? His own pain? His own suffering? What's on his mind is you and me and our unity. Believers in unity. Why? Because, well, because division always destroys. Division always destroys. And one of the major tools of the devil is division. 
So much is thrown our way to get us not united, to create disunity, ultimately division. You know, the devil is real. He's a created being who rebelled against God. He was once a perfect angel, and he rebelled against God, and forever is now against God and against those that follow God. The devil, he's real. The demonic realm is real. And I know the Bible teaches us that the devil knows the Bible. He's been around a long time. He knows the scriptures. In James, James even tells us, even the demons believe and tremble. Now, they don't have saving like belief. Don't misunderstand me like the devil or the demons can be saved. No, they just have, they understand. They hear something, they believe it. It doesn't change them, but they believe it. And this is one of the verses, jot it down, that I think the devil believes because I see it as the outcome of, of most of his work on the earth today. It's Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. I believe, you know, if the devil had a desk and he had a scripture there on his desk, it would be this scripture. And he believes it and uses it against us. It's Matthew 12, 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Division always leads to destruction in any government, in any local community, the city, like a walled city, a community. And he includes a house. He's not talking about a crack down the foundation. He's talking about a family. Any house that's divided, it's not going to stand. And he uses that against us constantly. He uses that not only against us personally, but he also uses it against us corporately as the church of Jesus Christ, capital C. Always wanting to stir up division. Always wanting people to take sides and fight on either side. It, It is common And it is so common that we may not even be perceptive to it anymore. And we will fall to its temptations. I like how Chuck Swindoll described unity. He put it this way. And I quote, Union has an affiliation with others, but no common bond that makes them one in heart. Uniformity has everyone looking and thinking alike. Unanimity is complete agreement across the board. But unity refers to a oneness of heart, a similarity of purpose, and an agreement on major points of doctrine. I like that. Unity is not union, it's not uniformity, and it's not unanimity. It is a oneness of heart, similarity of purpose, and an agreement on major points of doctrine, the essentials of the faith, we would call them. The word that we use to describe that here when we're talking about ministry and serving together is the word like-mindedness, like-mindedness. Well, we're like-minded. Like-mindedness isn't conformity where we all believe the same thing all the time about everything. Nobody does that. That's impossible. And that's not what God asks. No, like-mindedness is generally we see things the same way. And our disagreements are minor and secondary And submit to the primary things that we believe. And when we make secondary things, primary things, division is right around the corner. It's right around the corner. I think the world looks at the church today and at church at large and just sees something fractured and broken. With so much infighting and so much separation. Now I have to say, in some organizations that call themselves a church, 
there needs to be a division because they don't believe in Jesus Christ, the risen son. So that's a doctrinal issue. And we have to divide on primary doctrines. If someone says, I don't believe in the virgin birth, then I can't have fellowship with them. If I don't, I don't believe Jesus is God and human, I can't have fellowship with them. If somebody says, well, I think Jesus is the, the, Luc- the brother of Lucifer, I can't have fellowship with them. They believe in a different Jesus than I do. But when it comes to style and practice, we can have disagreements and still enjoy one another. We can still enjoy serving our city with one another. You know, I personally am grateful that there is a variety of churches in our city, in our metro area. You know why? Because God, he sees diversity in people. So he has created a diversity of real churches, real church communities that reach different segments of our society. And for that, I'm grateful. Churches that sing maybe different songs or different style, maybe even a different style of teaching. Or some churches that, you know, I don't want to meet in a building. I want to meet under a tree. Well, God bless you because a lot of people want to meet under trees. In the wintertime, I don't understand that. But I, I'm cool, man. If you want to meet under a tree, go meet under a tree and worship Jesus. You know, there are churches that say, no, I think we should meet in homes. Then open up your home and get your whole neighborhood meeting in your... Great! Those are all secondary matters. And I'm grateful. We, we are not in competition with any true church of Jesus Christ here in our city. We're not a competition. If somebody's, if God is blessing another church, even if it's across the street, around the corner, yes, I'm happy. Man, if God is just exploding, that church is growing 10 million times faster than any other church. They're on the cover of all the magazines and they're preaching the one true gospel. They get my prayer, my support, and I say, go for it, man. Go for it. Reach my city. That's my neighbor that goes to your church. That's my friend. That's my boss. My boss really needs to go to your church. So I'm glad. Yes, I'm happy. I'm not in competition for them. I don't go into my office and go, oh, Lord, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. You're using other churches. I don't do that. I say, God bless them if we're in it together. I mean, to me, like, I know there's little subtle differences between churches and such, and I respect that. But I, I'm also grateful that I can yoke arm to arm with true Christians in my city. I was just up, you, we together as a church family, we were all just up in North Glen, Colorado. Did you know that? North Glen, Colorado. Didn't know where that was. I had to put it in GPS. I was invited a couple weeks ago to share with the men, the men's ministry at Calvary Community Baptist Church on the corner of 120th and Irma Street. How do I know that? Because GPS told me that's where it was. And so I drove up I-25 yesterday morning got off on 120th, started heading east, kind of driving slow because I don't know where it is. And there it is. Beautiful, wonderful church community right on the corner. We go in and I'm just so grateful. I wrote my thank you notes this morning to Pastor Brian and also Pastor Jeremy who extended that invitation to me. And I said, thank you for entrusting the precious flock that you oversee to me. Thank you. That's an honor for me that we could yoke arm in arm And in some small way, the fellowship family of Calvary Aurora could come alongside of you and encourage you and strengthen you. And and it's your faithful giving. It's, It's your faithfulness in the Lord that gives me the opportunity and the staff, the people here, to full-time dedicate themselves to these types of things so that as the pastors are taking care of things, I can accept an invitation like that, drive up there, spend a couple hours loving on those guys, teaching them about spiritual warfare. I'll tell you what we didn't do. We didn't talk about our subtle differences in doctrine. We didn't talk about, well, you know, I just want you to know, I don't really... Man, I'm like, dude, you're going to let me talk? I didn't say dude, excuse me. 
Uh, I was respectful, but I feel like that. You know, I was like, man, you let me, you let me, you, the pastor was sitting there where you are. The pastor of the church was sitting there where you are. And I had the privilege of pouring into him that he was so respectful and humble that he would allow me. I mean, that is no small thing in my heart to be able to serve North Glen, Colorado, which is up north on 120th and I-25. <laughs> but check this out. It's even better. God had something even better in store. So I've got two new pastor friends, got to meet them, about 40, 50 guys, got to meet them. We talked about spiritual warfare. But when, when we were done, we left. And, and when we were coming into the parking lot, I had Josh with me because I don't travel alone. So I had Josh with me. And as I came, we came into the parking lot. As we pulled into the parking lot uh, to come, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, there's a building across the street. It's an old metal building. It's kind of thin and long. And it seemed to be broken in half. The back half of the building was the U-Haul rental company and a bunch of U-Haul trucks and trailers back there. But the front that faced the street, you know what it had? It had a sign. It had a church sign right on the building. You know what it said? Calvary Chapel, Christ the King Fellowship. Now, I know Pastor Jim. I've met him over the phone. Uh, he recently affiliated a few years ago, and I've reached out to him, and I've talked to him on the phone. I've prayed with him. I've sent him texts. And, and the last time I talked to him, I hadn't met him in person. The last time I talked to him, his wife was battling a serious form of cancer. Uh, and, then, and, and so that, I knew about that ministry, but I had no idea where it was. Um, I hadn't seen it before. I don't really head up in that area very much. And so I didn't know. And so I said, hey, Josh, man, let's go over and see if he's there. You know, let's go over. And I noticed once we got across the street, it's like totally catty corner from each other. I mean, directly across the street. And so we go over and uh, they have a new building. They're they're doing some construction on a new building on the property. So we go into that first and there's like three or four guys in there and say, hey, is Pastor Jim around? He's, oh, yeah. Hey, he's over in the offices across the way. So let me take you over to him. They're so kind, so loving. So we're walking across the parking lot and he doesn't take us to the front of the building that says Calvary Chapel, we walk in the door of the U-Haul rental office and guess who's sitting at the desk renting U-Hauls? Pastor Jim. That's what he's doing to help provide for his family. And so he got up and he gave us a big hug and he said, hey, Pastor Jim, my name is Ed. And I know, and we got to meet and we got to hug and share. I met his son, Christian. Uh, we walked through his facility. We, we let him share what the big vision is and what God's gonna do with this old dairy that used to, I mean, it was glorious, so much fellowship. And check this out. Calvary Community Baptist is right here on the corner reaching North Glen and that whole area for Jesus Christ. And right across the street, I mean, walking distance, Calvary Chapel, Christ the King is reaching North Glen for Jesus Christ as it should be be arm in arm reaching the gospel and we get to be we get to be just a very small part of what God's doing but a small part is still an important part the Bible says don't despise the days of small things and Jesus is praying for unity we're not in competition with any church we're not in competition with any true work of God We know what our calling is, and we know what God has called us to do. We know that we feel responsible to minister to Larry and the church up here at Grace Church. We feel responsible uh, in our movement, our family of churches, to to put on conferences and to put on events and and to make it available for free for these guys because they're already taking a day off of work and they're they're already I mean we feel responsible to send resources to the pastors to send resources to the pastor we feel responsible to encourage and we don't draw the lines just on our little family because the family of Christ is much bigger than our family now I love our family I was saved in our family and I appreciate like but the 
body of Christ is much bigger. And Jesus is praying for that 2,000 years ago. And I have the privilege of reminding us of that very thing. We don't want to get into sex and S-E-C-T-S, you know, divisions. We don't want to get into uh, this denominational, the you, I'm of you. And I, we don't, I don't, we don't, that, that doesn't, that doesn't display the love of Jesus Christ. It doesn't display his glory. But when love, when mercy, and when grace flows among us, even when we disagree, it's hard. It's hard to ignore that kind of love. That's otherworldly love that can only come from God. It's hard to ignore that. And the church has a hard time. They can talk about doctrine and they can argue about UFOs and they can do whatever they want, but they have a hard, the world has a really hard time refuting true agape love where everything in us calls for one action, but the Holy Spirit leads us to love. It's a powerful thing. One more thing and we're gonna end our time in worship. Notice verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I've declared to them your name. And declare it, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. That's the summary of his prayer. He didn't have to say in Jesus' name, you know, because he was Jesus. <laughs> but that's it, man. That's the amen of the prayer. Of all that he said, this is it. That they'd see my glory. And that the love that you've given me, I've given them, that the world would see that love. That's the sum. That's the bottom line. I mean, that's where, that's where the meat of the gospel really is. An otherworldly love that changes lives like yours and mine. And what a beautiful prayer, because he's answering that prayer in so many believers today. We, we are just so encouraged at all, the, you know, all of the, the different testimonies of love flowing through your life. All the different testimonies of love that God is bringing through you with the hope of glory up ahead. Just like the time where Jesus was transfigured up on that mountaintop. They got to taste a little bit of his glory. Or Moses, when he went up for the Ten Commandments, the glory of God was so bright that he had to cover himself when he came down. It was so beautiful. It was so all-consuming to have a vision of Jesus and who he is. And all these things will fade away. That we might just be consumed with him. That he would be our lives. Like he said, the source of unity is the same source of love. When Jesus says, he is in us and we are in him. And when that happens, we are one together in him. That's the place of power. That's the place of progress. That's where lives are transformed. That's where hearts are open to the truth. It's the love of God. It's the love of God, church. It's the truth that he loved me even when I was unlovable. And how many times in my life as a believer am I still unlovable? How many failures have I committed that God still loves me? How many times have I stumbled? How many times have I been unloving to my wife, but he still loves me and still gives me a chance? How many times have I been short with my kids? How many times has grief overwhelmed my emotions and I've acted in a way that didn't glorify? How many times that God still loves me? Every time. <laughs> and the answer is true for you too. 
in your own set of circumstances that remind you of your humanity. That Jesus, or excuse me, David, he writes in the Psalms that God loves us so much, he has compassion on us. In the old King James, it says, because he knows that we're just dust. In the New Living Translation, it speaks of because he knows we're human. He knows our human condition. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all ways, just like us, but without sin. And that's Jesus' prayer for us. And we would do well to walk in his wisdom and his power and become the answers to his prayer. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of John's gospel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app and podcast. Our pick of the month is Five Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. As Christians, we sometimes encounter objections about the Bible, and maybe you're left wondering how to answer them, or where do you look? Well, this wonderful book offers you 365 quick answers to key questions. I think you'll find it super helpful the next time you come across a question where you're not sure how to answer, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses. That's our prayer and our heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed is back with me now, and Ed, I thought it was interesting that of all the things that Jesus could pray concerning future disciples, it was unity. As you look at where the church as a whole is at today, what are some of your observations? Well, that's a good question, Larry. I think I have a lot of observations, but I'll just take the question today, in this moment. And let's start with a positive Let's do a positive, then a negative, and then a positive. That way we can end on a high note. But one of the positives is there is a stirring going on among believers right now, a a, a great stirring. God has used the last few years, the pandemic, COVID, a reawakening to the racial tensions, uh, political issues. There's a stirring going up, and I love it. I think it's great. I know I've been stirred just as a follower of Christ, not 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 only as a pastor, but as a follower of Christ. And there's a stirring. And whenever there's a stirring, there's something new up ahead. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's go from a positive to a negative, Larry. You ready? <laughs> the negative is I've never seen the church so divided ever in the entirety of the 30 years that I've been walking with the Lord. We're not arguing about speaking in tongues anymore, things like, uh, you know, we're not arguing about the the things that we used to argue about. Uh, You know, there's another gospel that has entered in. Politics has co-opted the gospel of Jesus Christ and has ruined believers. Now, I know that's going to be challenging for someone listening right now, and that's okay. Be challenged. Be stirred up. And ask yourself, has my political opinion ruined me for the gospel? Please ask that before the Lord. Open up your Bible and get alone with God and say, God, search me and know me and and show if there's any unclean thing in me. Uh, and it may not be politics. That just seems to be the popular thing right now. And it grieves my heart. It grieves my heart. 
I, I think is if if believers were as passionate about the gospel as they are about their politics, I mean, the world couldn't handle it. They just couldn't handle it. And so please consider that. And that, that's something you asked me about what I see, um, what are my observations, that, that's an observation that, that really can't be denied. I know you see it too. You may not agree with it, but I'm sure you see it too, um, you guys that are listening in. And then on a positive side, um, to end with is the gospel is going forth with great power and people are getting saved and lives are being changed and it, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it, it's, it's glorious. It, it's wonderful. And the platforms of the, this, the, the difficulties and the hardships and lawlessness abound, everything that Jesus said in Matthew 24 would happen in the last days, we're living it out. And he's also talking about a great harvest and a great revival. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in these last days. Uh, and we agree with the prayer of Jesus. May his prayer uh, be lived out in your life and mine. Well said. Thanks, Ed. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in John with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.